0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Friday edition, a cold day here in Washington, D.C., but despite the cold and the overreaching COVID policies of the District of Columbia, tens of thousands of pro-lifers came to Washington, D.C., to mark the 49th anniversary of the infamous Roe v. Wade decision, which legalized abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy. But this year, this year was different. For the first time in almost a half a century, there is an optimism that the nation's highest court might once again reverse itself and and correct a horrible injustice. We'll talk about the message that pro-life Americans are sending each year when they come here for the march to policymakers on Capitol Hill, We'll talk with Missouri Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, who serves as the chair of the Congressional Values Action Team, which works closely with the Family Research Council. Also, the president's minor incursion statement has become a major problem. Russia will be held accountable if it
2: invades, and it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having to fight about what to do and not do, etc.,
1: We'll talk about that with Congresswoman Hartzler, member of the House Armed Services Committee, as well. Also, while there is anticipation of a favorable pro life ruling in the Dobbs case out of Mississippi, which would be the case to overturn Roe and Casey, there is an understanding of the court's history and stopping short of a full correction. But has the pro life movement grown to such a point that the court cannot sidestep the issue any longer? We'll talk with Oklahoma Senator James Langford, a member of the Senate Pro-Life Caucus. We'll also get his take on the Democrats' effort to push one-party rule through the Senate, which failed this week. FRC's Mary Sock was at the march mingling with the folks from across the nation. What was the mood of this year's marchers? She'll join us for that and a brand-new resource from FRC that reveals where the U.S. lines up with other nations when it comes to abortion policy. I think it'll surprise you. And finally, the march coincides with the one-year anniversary of the Biden administration. Can you
2: think of any other president's done as much in one year? Name one for me. I'm asking you. (laughs) I'm serious. Hmm. You guys talk about how nothing's happened. I don't think there's been much on any incoming president's plate that's been a bigger menu than the plate I had
1: given to me. Well, in that statement, he spoke truth as it pertains to abortion. Connor Simmelsberger is here in the studio with me later to break down the policies and actions of the Biden administration in the first year. The website, TonyPerkins.com. I encourage you to check out the website. Lots of resources there for you. And all of our programs are archived at TonyPerkins.com. Okay, I'm going to jump ahead in our two-year Bible reading plan, which you can find at frc.org slash Bible. We're wrapping up today the book of Genesis. I'm a little bit of a head, ahead of everyone. I'm in Job, but I wanted to uh, pull this verse from Job for today's occasion of the march. It comes from Job 31, verse 15. Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one fashion us in the womb? Job recognized the true, that true equality of all people is based solely upon this one fact. We are all made by the hand of God in His image. To find out how you can be a part of our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org Bible. Well, as I mentioned, today marks the 49th anniversary of the U.S. Supreme Court's ill-fated decision in Roe v. Wade, legalizing abortion in all 50 states through all nine months of pregnancy. The poorly reasoned decision from the court has cost the lives of over 60 million unborn babies. Each year on the anniversary of the decision, pro-life Americans gather here in Washington, D.C. to participate in the March for Life. And this year may be a special one. It could potentially be the last March for Life with Roe as the law of the land. Come June, we should hear from the court on their decision in the Dobbs v. Jackson's Wim- Jackson Women Health Organization, which could do away with this constitutional, so-called constitutional right to abortion. Joining me now to highlight the March for Life is the chairwoman of the Values Action Team in the House of Representatives, our good friend, Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler of Missouri. Congressman, welcome back to the program.
3: Well, Thanks, Tony. It's great to be here on a great day.
1: Well, you have been outspoken on life from the very beginning, even back when you were in the Missouri a uh, house uh, this is a uh, this is a, an issue of great importance to you
3: oh it is i mean ev- god has given every life a plan and a purpose and i believe that life begins at conception and it breaks my heart to think of over the 60 million lives that have been snuffed out due to abortion and what those lives could have meant to our world and to each one of us but also um, I believe in adoption. And when I was in the Missouri legislature, I passed two major adoption laws because every life is valuable and every life is wanted. And we need to make sure that every life has a chance to live. So I'm proud to be a voice for life here and to to help advance legislation uh, to protect life, to defund Planned Parenthood, and to make sure That abortion is not the law of the land, and I'm very encouraged by our Supreme Court, and and just pray that they make the right decision.
1: You know, you mention adoption laws. You know, this decision, depending on what it is from the court, will certainly not be the end. It will be the beginning. There's a lot of work ahead. State legislatures most likely will be the ones that will be dealing with this issue going forward, if most uh, interpret the court's direction correctly, and. Then there's going to be a need for all kinds of focus, not just from a law perspective, but also from a community perspective, from churches to be involved in adoption, to be involved in helping single mothers. There's a lot of work that's going to be needed to ensure that America does continue down this path of becoming a predominantly pro-life nation.
3: Yes, that is so true. We need to support the women as well, and currently there are over 2,700 Pregnancy resource centers, almost all run by volunteers uh, that provide care and support to women who choose life for their babies. But we need to expand that availability even beyond 2700 and make sure that every woman who chooses life is supported and equipped to be that mom or to make a parenting plan for their child and choose another couple to be the lifelong parents for that child through adoption. Uh, But there are these positive alternatives, and I feel confident the pro-life community will continue to step up and reach out and love the women in this country and encourage every baby to have its life uh, available and to live out to its potential.
1: Uh, Congresswoman Hartzler, uh, life is one of the issues that the Values Action Team advances on Capitol Hill, but there are other issues. And uh, this week uh, we had a, uh, a strategy session, a sh- session where uh, the members of the Values Action Team met discussing priorities. What do you see in terms of potentially the next Congress with a Republican majority? What type of policies do you see being advanced?
3: Well, I think certainly we want to make sure that no federal tax dollars go to pay for abortion. That has been called the Hyde Amendment. But I think, uh, you know, it's in jeopardy right now at the hands of the Democrats want to do away with that. But I think we can do more to defund Planned Parenthood. You know, the next battle is going to be with chemical abortions. Right now, 40 percent of the abortions in our country don't take place in a clinic. They take place in a woman's home after she has received pills in the mail and sadly uh, the Biden administration just recently uh, changed the regulations to permanently allow these uh, pills to be sent to a woman's home without the woman seeing a doctor. And this is very concerning as a woman, I'm concerned about the health of these women. Uh, many of you saw the movie Unplanned, but they showed what this what a women go through to have this type of abortion. Um, But we're going to have to be strategic, and I believe we need to figure out a way to make that illegal, to send abortion pills through the mail. Uh, So that's going to be something we need to continue to work for, defund all the uh, abortion uh, clinics, as well as make sure that they can't send it through the mail. Uh, But there's other issues that we're dealing with as well. There's this LGBT uh, uh, agenda that has been infiltrating everywhere, including our schools. And I think it's time that we infuse some common sense again and and values into our education and allow parents to have more of a voice in what is taught in our school. So that is certainly something else that we need to uh, advance and move forward on.
1: Well, as, as a former teacher, I know that is something you're passionate about uh, uh, making sure that our children are not indoctrinated with a leftist agenda yeah. in our in our schools. You mentioned the. Um, The the shift from the abortion industry to these uh, basically abortion in the mail with these uh, the pills, the new or the least the nominated, he's not yet been confirmed. He's come out of uh, the committee and he's going to be voted on in the Senate floor. Uh, the president's pick for the FDA commissioner, Calif, who was in the was in the Obama administration, actually kind of circumvented the safety uh, procedures that were there for these over the counter sales of the abortion pill. So th- we cl- seer- clearly see this administration pushing the uh, the abortion industry's agenda with such enthusiasm. It's it's amazing.
3: Oh, it is. And we need to also stand up for uh, the conscience protections of the medical professionals because there will still be some states that allow abortions promoted, sadly. And there are pro-life uh, medical professionals there who, uh, whose rights are being threatened right now uh, by being forced to participate in abortions. And so I think we can do more to strengthen our, our laws for conscience and protect their right to say no.
1: Uh, Congresswoman, I want to get your quick take on the president's comments. I'll play this clip from his press conference where he talked about this minor incursion, which be- has become a major issue. Uh, play clip number two, please. Russia will be held
2: accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor in- incursion, and then we end up having to fight about what to do and not do, etc.
3: Are you saying that a minor incursion by Russia into Ukrainian territory would not lead to the sanctions that you have threatened? Or are you effectively giving Putin permission to make a small
1: incursion into the country?
2: <laughs> Good question. That's <laughs> um, so
1: it did sound like didn't it? Uh, Congresswoman, this has become a major problem.
3: Oh, absolutely. It's another example of this president's incompetence. Uh, Not only did we have the debacle with Afghanistan, the terrible botched withdrawal uh, that first abandoned the Bagram Air Base, and then the billions of dollars of military equipment left into the hands of the Taliban, but then we have hundreds of American citizens left there, and then we have the loss of 13 lives of our service members. But now we see the president giving a green light, basically, to Putin, to come in to the country saying, well, we're we're not going to give you sanctions if it's just a a minor incursion. This is ludicrous. This is incompetence. I mean, we have to have peace through strength. And sadly, on the world stage, America is no longer seen as strong. We are seen as weak because of this president. And because of that, our adversaries are emboldened. We see Putin. We also see Kim Jong-un shooting missiles out of North Korea. We see China flying over Taiwan. The world is more dangerous now than it was before Biden. And we need to stand strong with Ukraine. We need to be a deterring them from taking one footstep into Ukraine. We need to stand by this democracy and the Christians there who have been fighting to have a, a freedom like we have. And for him to say that is just deplorable.
1: Yeah, it's important, as you've underscored, that this is not just Russia and Ukraine. This affects China. This affects North Korea, all the bad actors on the world stage. Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for your leadership on Capitol Hill.
3: Well, it's an honor to visit with you. God bless.
1: All right. Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler of Missouri. She's also, as I mentioned, the chair of the Values Action Team, which is a a group that FRC helped stand up many years ago. We worked very closely with them on Capitol Hill. All right, don't go away. When we come back, we're gonna be talking with Oklahoma Senator James Langford. What might the court do in their decision and what will the pro-life movement do? It's not going away, I'll tell you that, nor are we. Stick with us.
4: Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily Scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, It is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's Word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the Church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why Scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, schools
5: to six seven seven
1: four two. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us on this Friday afternoon. Now, there's a lot of talk today about whether this year's March for Life could be the last, with the U.S. Supreme Court now in the position to overturn the prevailing jurisprudence on abortion, namely the infamous Roe v. Wade decision and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. But while there is great anticipation that the court may correct those past errors when it rules on Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health, that's the abortion case out of Mississippi, the court has been known to hand down limited incremental rulings. Now, that'd be a big disappointment for sure, but all signs are indicating that the abortion issue is one thing that cannot be swept under the rug by the court. They tried that almost 50 years ago, and it's a bigger issue today than it was then. With me now to talk about all of this and more is our good friend, Senator James Langford of the great state of Oklahoma. Senator, welcome back to the program.
6: Sorry, glad to be back with you again.
1: But before we look ahead, let's look behind. What are your thoughts on the growth and gains of the pro-life movement politically and culturally?
6: You know, folks looked at this 50 years ago and said, OK, this is a settled issue. The Supreme Court's made their decision. Survey so just moved on. And people didn't move on because it's self-evident when you look at a child in the womb and as the uh, science continues to advance. Our sonograms get better and better. You see more and more that this is a situation where that's an actual life, not just some random tissue that's there. And so that that's made a big difference for people uh, over the years. And people haven't just let this issue go.
1: Well, and and I have to point to the fact that, uh, Senator, I think you are a part of this movement in that, you know, as a former Baptist uh, youth director you know, you came here. This is a big issue. You spoke. You've spoken about it on the House floor. And I know there's noise in the background. You're down there on the uh, the mall where the march has taken place. And the, the, the reality is you've spoken about this on the Senate. This is an issue that correct. people care passionately about.
6: It is an actual issue we care passionately about. And there are thousands and thousands of people that are gathering in Washington, D.C. today. And you're correct. I'm down in the mall area right now. Even talking to you, so there are still thousands of people that are out talking about life and still saying to the Supreme Court and to elected officials, hey, we care about the value of every single child. Uh, there are no children that are disposable in our nation. Uh, there's no child that, that you would say, okay, they're inconvenient, and so we can take their life. Uh, children are valuable in the eyes of God, and they should be valuable in the eyes of our laws.
1: Let me ask you this question, because, you know, we, we've been disappointed by the court before. There is a lot of anticipation that the court, this is such a, a solid case that the court's going to have a hard time completely overstepping it or step sidestepping it. But they have come down with limited rulings before that right. have disappointed. But if the court thinks they can sweep this issue of abortion under the judicial rug, um, they're plainly wrong.
6: They're plainly wrong. So what's interesting is in the 1973 decision, Roe Wade, uh, they had this conversation about viability. That, that was not in law anywhere. The court just arbitrarily chose this moment, after viability, states could be involved in protecting the life of children. And before viability, they couldn't. They had to allow abortion on demand in every single state. Now the court, even in the oral arguments on the Dobbs case, raised the issue about this viability standard. And it was raised in amicus briefs that were given to the court to say that's an arbitrary ruling. That, that, that's not out there. How can the court just arbitrarily choose this certain point? That's when a life actually begins. And so, what the court has to determine on this case is can the court actually pick when life begins, uh, or is that a different group that does that, whether it's a legislature or whatever it may be from a state? I think they're going to do that, that they're going to push it back to the states. And as you mentioned, mm-hmm. the limited cases, the Roberts Court is known for limited cases, but there are six conservatives in the court now. If Roberts chooses to go with the liberals, the person who would write the opinion on this case would actually be Clarence Thomas. He would be the senior member on the uh, conservative side. And if Clarence Thomas ends up writing this opinion, I have no question it's going to be a very clear statement about the value of every human being.
1: Well, we continue to see the momentum for life build. It's in the polling numbers. You know, we see it despite of the restrictions here in Washington, D.C. right now with COVID still thousands coming in for the march. I mean, this, as you said, this is a, this is. A, I mean, it's rooted in natural law. It's rooted in the hearts of men, women. You cannot kill your own children. I know we can suppress it. We can pass laws to try to legalize it, but we will never be morally right. And that sits deeply in the hearts of our country.
6: It is, and it's, and it's self-evident in every such a way. When you look at a sonogram and see a child sucking their thumb in the womb and pressing against their mom's belly with their feet. Uh, We we understand what's self evident. That's really a child. Uh, And and even in our laws in western Oklahoma, it's very difficult to do construction because we have certain requirements for the lesser prairie chicken uh, or for the burrowing beetle in southeast Oklahoma. We we seem to be able to protect bugs and lesser prairie chickens, but struggle as a nation to protect children. That is wrong for us, and that has to be corrected.
1: Senator James Langford, final question for you. What is your encouragement to pro-lifers as we look forward?
6: Yeah, the encouragement for pro is there's a lot to be positive about. There's a lot of dialogue still going on about protecting children. And as they engage in dialogue with people one-on-one, keep the focus on the child, because that's the, really the point of conversation in this. It's not the two grown-ups that are in the conversation, but it's the child uh, is where we need to be able to focus. What is their future and what's their opportunity for life? The only difference between that child in the womb and the child outside the womb is time. So let's give them the opportunity to be able to have life.
1: Uh, Senator, I said that was a final question, but one political question, big news off of Capitol Hill this week where the effort was made to uh, push through this uh, federal takeover of elections and then to change the rules in the Senate both failed. That was a significant setback for the left and I think a huge gain for Mitch McConnell and the Republicans in the Senate.
6: It is actually we, we literally protected the Senate from how it has functioned and operated to protect the voice of the minority. Uh, for two centuries, the Senate is the place in our American government where the minority voice is always heard. And Chuck Schumer, as soon as he came into the majority, immediately started trying to silence the voice of the minority in America. That's not how we function as a nation. The Senate forces real debate where all sides are heard. And uh, we still have that protected. So the Senate now is the same as it was two years ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, yeah. that the voice of the minority is still protected.
1: Yeah, big, uh, big week uh so, so glad to hear from you today. Thanks so much, uh, Senator James Lankford, for joining us.
6: Glad to be able to do it. Thanks, Tony.
1: All right. Senator Lankford of Oklahoma, a stalwart for faith, family and freedom fighting for the unborn on Capitol Hill. All right. Coming up next, how does the United States compare to other nations when it comes to abortion? I think the answer will surprise you. FRC's Mary Sock is here next with that. Don't go away. More Washington Watch to come on this Friday afternoon. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. A Washington Post headline earlier this week asked the question, as March for Life returns to D.C., anti-abortion activists wonder, is this the last March under Roe? The Post goes on to say, quote, by the end of this summer, the Supreme Court could overturn Roe. After 49 years, there may not be an anniversary to protest, End quote. Well, that's certainly our hope. Earlier today, I was uh, able to catch up with FRC's Mary Sock, who was down on the mall mingling with marchers during the march. Mary, give us a sense of what marchers are feeling this year and what they're saying.
9: I think there's a sense of hope here. There's a sense that, you know, we've been marching for 49 years. I've personally been marching my entire life. And, and we're ready ready for America to recognize that, to recognize, more importantly, that the unborn child in the womb is a human being.
1: So is there a, is there a, a greater sense of anticipation this year than we've seen before?
9: I think there is. You know, the march is always joyful, but this year you can, you can feel it. You can see it on people's faces. Everyone is talking about, is this going to be the year that the Supreme Court finally overturns Roe v. Wade? and that the unborn child is finally recognized.
1: Uh, Mary, I want to turn to uh, the bigger topic here, not just the march, but the issue of life and the policies of our nation. You know, you serve as our director of the Center for Human Dignity, and FRC has a new publication entitled U.S. Abortion Law in Comparison with the Globe. How does America line up with other nations when it comes to our policies and laws regarding life?
9: Well, Tony, if you look at the publication, you can see that America is one of only six countries that offers absolutely no protections for the unborn child in a womb. and And you can see there on the map that that the countries that are in red are are the countries that we're joining. And among those are China. North Korea, Vietnam, and then sadly, too, Canada and South Korea as well. So, so the majority of countries on that list are human rights violators, and, and we are joining them on that list as well.
1: I mean, that's amazing when you look. You would think that America, birthed in freedom, pursuing, you know, quote unquote, equality, that we would be a nation that would be leading the way to protect the unborn and give everyone a, a, a right to life.
9: Well, and we really should be, and and we are in the land of the free, the home of the brave. As Nellie Gray said, we're we're the land that people came to to prosper, and we have become a nation that allows an unborn child in the womb to be killed through the entirety of pregnancy. This is really, this is really tragic, and something that our generation needs to change.
1: So, so Mary, do you is your sense that uh, people are unaware of? how extreme America's policies are on abortion, or is this something that's well-known?
9: I think people are largely unaware. Around the world, there are a 100 countries that outlaw abortion entirely or only allow it in specific instances. And if you look at the map, you'll see all of the yellow on there, all of Europe, essentially, except for three countries, outlaw abortion after 14 weeks. And, And here in the U.S., we don't allow it for, we don't outlaw abortion at any point. And it's just really tragic. It's something that the rest of the world needs to recognize. It's something that the U.S. needs to recognize, that we need to be a leader, that we need to be protecting the, the defenseless among us.
1: Uh, so Mary, is it is it cold out there?
9: It's freezing, but everyone here is happy to be here. It's and- ready to defend the unborn
1: you know my history is the uh, the march for life it just seems to fall on the coldest day <clears throat> excuse me coldest day of the year it's always cold out there for the march
9: it certainly is and but, but we're happy to be here in defense of life
1: well i would be down there marching if i weren't still uh, on crutches i'm still recovering from uh, my bicycle accident but i am my heart is with the marchers this year um, Mary, is, 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 give us a sense of the uh, the demographics of the of the uh, those gathered this year.
9: Well, I, I think everyone I've seen so far has been under thirty five. Uh, so you know, it, this is a march that's that's fueled by young people, by the pro life generation, um, and and we're ready to see Roe overturned. Yeah,
1: and that's what tells me that the. Uh, this is not going away. You know, the court can uh, sidestep it. They can sweep it under the rug, as they've tried to do with other decisions over the last 50 years. It's not going to go away. It's, it's only building. And uh, they've got to address this and then allow the American people to come together and, and work through this and create this culture of, uh, of life. Mary Sock, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining us. And stay warm.
9: Thanks so much for having me, Tony.
1: Mary Sock, our FRC director of our Center for Human Dignity. I encourage you to look at that map. You can go to TonyPerkins.com and you can get that. It's it's so enlightening. Now she made another point that I, I mentioned earlier, but most people don't realize that Roe v. Wade. Now Roe v. Wade back in 1973 was the the law that opened the door to abortion abortion on demand for every state overturned every state's pro-life laws for all nine months of pregnancy. So people don't realize that. That's what Roe did. Now, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which was the 92 case, allowed states to have some restrictions. But the prevailing law is nine, all nine months of pregnancy. And as Mary pointed out, that does not line up with the vast majority of countries. America is an outlier and not a good one. All right, stick with us. We're going to come back with more Washington Watch from the studio after this break. Don't go away.
7: even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religiousliberty.
10: Visit frc.org slash internships to apply.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch, to our studios where it's nice and warm. All right. Yesterday marked the one-year anniversary of President Biden being sworn into office, and even the liberal news media can't help but harp on how the Biden administration has failed on Afghanistan, COVID economy, inflation, and so many other things. But President Biden says no president has done as much as he has in one year. Can you think of any other president's done as much in one year? Name one for me. I'm asking you.
2: <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. You guys talk about how nothing's happened. I don't think there's been much on any incoming president's plate that's been a bigger menu than the plate I had
1: given to me? Well, when it comes to the president's pro-abortion policies, I would agree with his statement. No one has done more than him, not even Barack Obama, who we thought was the pro-abortion president. This administration has done more to advance an anti-life, anti-family agenda Than any other president in history. Here to give us his side-by-side comparison of the Biden administration versus the Trump administration, the records on the issues of abortion and other issues, is FRC's Connor Simmelsberger. He is the Director of Federal Affairs for Life and Human Dignity. Connor, welcome back to the program.
0: Yes, it's great to be on and great to be warm today.
1: Yeah, it is. Nice and warm here in the studio. So is that an overstatement that uh, no president has done more to advance abortion than this one?
0: No, not at all. And, you know, we hear so much hyperbole these days. This is not hyperbole. You look at, like you mentioned, the Obama administration, who we thought of as the pro-abortion president, I have to be here today as the sad news that the Biden administration has done more just in his first year than it took Obama, what seemed like his entire two terms to accomplish. This administration has worked like clockwork and with precision to advance this pro-abortion agenda, unlike any we've seen before.
1: Uh, Why is that?
0: It's clear through the ideology that that, that this one-time senator from Delaware who supported things like the Hyde Amendment, even the Parthelbert partial birth abortion ban in Congress um, to get this presidency had to say yes to that radical abortion agenda pushed by Planned Parenthood and others members of Congress uh, to dismantle human life in the womb. And so this has just been, again, not necessarily uh, what was portrayed on the campaign, but when he got here and it was time to do business, it was all for the abortion industry. So it's
1: interesting. This is not who he was in all those years as he was a senator from Delaware, as you pointed out, but in in order to cobble together this coalition, in order to win the presidency, he had to barter away certain things like uh, the Hyde Amendment, uh, where he changed his position on that, partial birth abortion. And, and we're going to get into the actual uh, policies in, in, uh, that they've been pushing in this administration. But this really comes down to personnel, the people that he has put in place And it goes back to that old adage that personnel is policy.
0: Yeah, you know, we've tracked almost all the nominees that, that Biden has appointed and then the Senate has confirmed. And you look back at some of those pretty bad nominees through the Biden, or the Obama years, you know, uh, Sebelius running the Health and Human Services Department. But when you look at this administration, um, it's not just those running Health and Human Services, those agencies that have a say over abortion. It's from top to bottom. It's the, the top secretaries all the way down to those political appointees that have say over the research and analysis coming out of the government. And it's in positions like the transportation, secretary or the energy secretary, you look at those records and they are pro-abortion through and through. It is hard to find a single political appointee serving in the the Biden administration that supports any restriction on abortion. Now, um, I, but that's almost
1: the default position of anyone in the Democratic Party. I mean, the Democratic Party in their platform lays out these very positions that uh Joe
0: Biden has now embraced. That's right. And you see some of these folks that maybe at one time, like Biden himself, have supported pro-life policies to get in this administration to be what the Democratic Party is today. They've had to to relinquish any of those even personal pro-life convictions and just have been pro-abortion, like I said, through and through. And even when it comes down to to small things, it's not just, oh, here's direct funding to Planned Parenthood or here's how we're going to advocate for abortion through Congress. Um, It's little decisions when it comes to, you know, where COVID money goes and things like that, uh, where this ab- abortion ideology has been seen.
1: Well, we saw it in the funding bills, the uh, quote-unquote COVID relief and mm-hmm. uh, where that money is going, the funding. Um, it's, it's been, it, we talked about the Obama administration where there was a funding stream, but this is multiplying.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even with Obama, he at least gave the placate that he was seemingly not necessarily pro-life but was moderate on the position, wanting to get some sort of pro-life fix for Obamacare. But with this administration, there hasn't even been that, guys. In his first budget uh, that he ever proposed, he called directly for the removal of the Hyde Amendment. Um, and we haven't seen that since the Clinton year. So even Obama didn't do that. He he had to one-up his, his his own president he served with. But yeah, it's it's been a clear, clear and from day one. Okay,
1: Connor, let's get uh, into some specifics because you said, you know, this is not hyperbole. This is, in fact, there is a record. And I think that's important. You know, we hear speeches, we hear rhetoric. um, But a lot of these policies are done through executive action. Mm -hmm. They're a part of the administrative state, which don't get a lot of headlines. It doesn't involve necessarily Congress all the time, although the purse strings are one way for Congress. And that's where I think if you have a Republican pro-life majority in the next Congress, they can uh, they can really restrict what this president is yes. able to do. But give us some examples of what we've got going on.
0: Yeah, so so he came in in that that first week when COVID was at its peak, he was rallying off of his unifying, uh, you know, acceptance speech. And what is one of his first actions? He repeals what we know as the Mexico City policy, what the Trump administration expanded to ensure none of our taxpayer dollars go to those big abortion conglomerates overseas. That was day one. And
1: the one thing about the Trump administration, Secretary Pompeo expanding it beyond anything it had been before so that even subcontractors to those uh, foreign entities could not counsel for or provide abortion. So it was a pretty
0: muscular uh,
1: Mexico City policy that was in place.
0: It was. And and throughout the Trump administration, it wasn't just, okay. we're going to take this action. This is sort of customary for pro-life administrations to do. All throughout, they saw where those gaps were and pivoted. They said, let's let's plug this hole. Let's cut them off here. And so when Biden did take action to repeal that, it was much more of a drastic change than had been back in those 2000s. I mean, it's like
1: light and and day, yes. night and day. I mean, it was such a sharp, sharp contrast between the two administrations because I, there was never a Republican administration that it was as pro-life as the Trump administration.
0: Mm-hmm. So when those switches flip from administration to administration, because the Trump administration set that new high high bar for pro-life, there are much more drastic changes when a pro-abortion administration comes in. It's it's it seems, seemingly going to continue that way.
1: So that's on the foreign policy front. What other actions have we seen from this administration? Yeah.
0: So in his campaign promises, he said he's going to take taxpayer funds and get them to his big buddy, Planned Parenthood, who at the same time was endorsing him for president. And boy, did he deliver. Um, In less than six months, he already moved to rewrite the Title X regulations. It's a large family planning grant program that thankfully, again, under the Trump administration, had said, you know what? No abortion providers can continue to do abortions in these same facilities, as well as get these family planning grants. So Trump cut that off within six months. And this isn't just an executive order. This is a a federal regulation that takes rulemaking process, uh, stakeholder or feedback. They moved at lightning speed within 30 days or three months to have a proposed role, And by September of his first year, has been sending those millions of dollars right back into the hands of Planned Parenthood, like clockwork.
1: Well, we see, you know, Pam, Planned Parenthood has been culturally on the retreat. They're closing their clinics, but they've been shifting. And this began back under the Obama administration. We We spoke about this earlier with uh, Congresswoman Hartzler that you know they shifted to basically abortion in the mail um, and this administration is helping to further that even uh, even more so
0: yeah, so while we're gaining so much momentum on our, our side, in the courts, in the states, uh, this is where the abortion industry is taking its stand. It's, it's working through the, the Biden administration, multiple levels. So the funding gets back to Planned Parenthood. And then at the same time, what's been in the works is our FDA, who governs how chemical abortion, those pills are regulated, and the health and safety protocols around them are governed. Um, just last month, December, they moved to, again, permanently allow um, no physician oversight, no in-person meeting between a woman and a doctor to get these pills and that they can be shipped through the mail. So now Planned Parents getting more money from us and now can even more send these pills out.
1: Well, and that began with um, Mr. Califf, yes, who was in the Obama administration and now has been nominated by the Biden administration to be the head of FDA. So we know where he's coming mm-hmm. from on this, lessening the, uh, not just restriction, but the safety protocols that surround these very dangerous drugs.
0: Yeah. So so you can see that playbook continuing out. So those that were buddy, buddy for the industry under Obama, they're back in the Biden administration and to continue to push it. Califf is the nominee currently pending before the Senate, who has a clear record saying yes to to the abortion industry and no to following the facts and the science about how dangerous these pills have become uh, for women who take them. Now, what about
1: the states that have, uh, you know, put in place pro-life restrictions, regulations, they've been reaching into the states as well.
0: Mm -hmm. And we saw this under the Obama administration as well, but it took years. You know, it wasn't until his second term where he really started to get aggressive to go after states who wanted to defund Planned Parenthood. That was the issue of the day. Uh, Now, with the Texas Heartbeat Act, day one, multiple speeches, the press secretary, the vice president coming out, but it, it wasn't just rhetoric like we talked about. They've now taken direct action in the state of Texas to continue to send federal dollars to the Planned Parenthoods there, even bordering on the line of promoting abortion with these tax dollars. We know because of the Hyde Amendment, they can't go to pay for abortion. But basically, they're saying as much, go to these clinics where we're sending our federal dollars so you can get your family planning care. But really what that means is they want to help them get abortions, and they're using their federal dollars. And even how they tie the strings to a state like Texas, who, again, like many states, work with the federal government on things like Medicaid and things like that, um, they're going to do everything they can to go after states that pass pro-life laws.
1: Not to mention that they actually have taken them to court.
0: Yes. Uh, They've Mm -hmm.
1: sued the state of Texas. And so you've got the entire federal government, the weight of the Department of Justice, leaning down on the state of Texas.
0: Right. And again, that's so black and white with where the Trump administration was. Their de- Department of Justice was defending pro-life states and states that defend religious freedom. And now you have the Biden administration doing the exact opposite. They are on the side of the abortion industry standing there in front of our Supreme Court.
1: Yeah, I, I remember the, the, the day that uh, they sued Texas in, uh, in court over uh, filed suit against Texas over their pro-life laws the same day that uh, President Biden announced a mandate of the vaccine. Uh, the irony there that uh, they want to, you know, protect health, but yet they are going after a state that wanted to protect human life.
0: Yeah, you know, the 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 hip- hypocrisy is—it's not even something that we have to conjecture or make up. It's—it's it's clear as day.
1: What are some of the other big-ticket items that we've seen out of this administration as it pertains to the life issue?
0: Yeah, so we've talked about the funding overseas. We've talked about them going after the states. And then there's the legislative agenda as well. So, you know, how this administration works hand-in-hand with the Congress he has. And what have they passed as a signature bill that they want to push? The so-called Women's Health Protection Act, which we've deemed the Abortion on Demand Through Birth Act, and that's really what it is. This year, our Congress, our U.S. House, has passed the most radical abortion bill we have ever seen passed through Congress, and only a single Democrat was courageous enough to vote no. And the Biden administration has been pushing this and supporting this bill from day one.
1: Yeah, juxtapose that to the Republicans, where every Republican member has signed the uh, Born Alive uh, Infant Protection Act Act. Uh, where if a a child survives an abortion, they are to be given medical Mm -hmm. attention. That's been blocked by Nancy Pelosi even having a vote
0: on the House floor for that bill. Yeah, you know, that's so right. The Republican conference, we just want to get bipartisan support to protect babies after they're born. And when Democrats say no to that, what is their response? Nothing moderate. No, let's work on Hyde Amendment or uh birth abortion ban, their response is, let's allow abortion through all nine months. And when they don't sign up for something like the born Alive bill, they're even saying that they would be okay with allowing these infants to not receive care after they're born.
1: Uh, it's amazing. Of course, uh, very interesting to see what's happened in the state of Virginia, where uh, the former governor, uh, Ralph Northam, was the one who, a, a physician, who said, we just want to keep a, a child, you know, who survives abortion comfortable until we you know, decide whether or not they live. Um, now we have a governor just took office last week, last Saturday, one week ago, who is already, and that's Governor Glenn Youngkin, who has uh, created a new position, ambassador for the unborn. I mean, what a contrast! And and quite frankly, that's where the two parties are today. There's never been a time. In my life, and I don't think in the life of either of the two parties, where there's been such a clear contrast on these defining issues.
0: Yeah, and you know what? It, you know what is, is time for, you know, as, as we hear those comments from Northam, right? And look how that impacted that, that state race in Virginia. And now to have an ambassador for life, I think that just shows how, how the, the Republicans, those that are pro-life, whether it's at the state level of governorship or here in our Congress, how they need to not be afraid of the positions yeah. that they've held, to be bold, right? Because we know the truth is that those, those, uh, those cells inside the womb are not just cells. They're human life. And that we need to boldly stand for the truth on this life issue when compared to such a stark contrast, a party that really does promote debt. That's right. really what they're calling for. We have to boldly stand up for life and push those policies.
1: By the way, for those that um, might, might have seen me thumbing through this uh, publication, we actually have a publication at the website TonyPerkins.com tracking the Biden administration on life, family, and religious freedom. So it covers not only the life issue, but all of the issues set that FRC works with. Again, date, time, issue, all documented, so you know exactly what this administration is doing. Connor Semelsberger, thanks so much for joining us. Great work, as always.
0: Yes, thanks. Thanks for having me on.
1: Absolutely. And folks, I encourage you, download this. Go to TonyPerkins.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, let me leave you once again with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand. By all means, keep standing.